Welcome to this gift podcast, weekly conversations on global travel trend lines. If Accor Hotels isn't in the news for buying another hotel company, it's earning headlines for acquiring something else in hospitality, like a concierge service or alternative accommodations provider or event specialist. As CEO Sebastian Bazine told Skift Senior Hospitality Editor Deanna Ting recently at Skift Forum Europe in Berlin, the company has spent more than 600 million euros in the last four years on various startups. And while he doesn't expect all of the investments to be wildly successful, the CEO believes it's more important to make big moves than to be a sleeping giant. On today's episode of the Skift Podcast, we're listening to that conversation between Bazine and Ting. They touched on why Accor wants to be part of travelers' everyday lives, the lessons he's learned from making so many acquisitions, and whether the hype around Accor matches reality. Surprise, Bazine believes it does. This is the first of several conversations we're bringing you from Skift Forum Europe. And now, here's the talk. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I, you've been making a lot of news uh, this morning. Um, That's not news. It's, yeah. info, it's information. <laughs> information, yes. Okay. So, as a bit of an introduction to Sebastian, um, since assuming the leadership of Accor Hotels in 2013, Sebastian has done quite a lot to transform the company into an asset light 21st century hospitality company, more of really an experience platform, as um, the title of our talk suggests. Uh, you've also given Accor Hotels quite the reputation of being an acquirer. You, you like to you like to shop around and you like to buy. Um, as long as it's not my money. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, don't take this. <laughs> I um, have to be careful. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you've purchased uh, Fairmont, Raffles, Swiss Hotel, One Fine Stay, uh, Mantra Group. Um, most recently, you purchased Res Diary, and today there is buzz that you may also be eyeing Movenpick, um, Movenpick Hotels. Another hallmark of your leadership of Accor Hotels has been reflected in the company's willingness to really take risks and be very experimental, uh, whether it's entering the sharing economy or also testing out new distribution models. Mm -hmm. So, Sebastian, you are the CEO of probably one of the most talked about hospitality companies on the planet. You should have said the best. Yeah. <laughs> the talked about. No, yeah. no. Uh, but I have to ask you, does the hype about Accor Hotels and its intentions for transforming travel, does that match the reality? Well, I guess the answer is yes. <laughs> but you'll, you'll, you'll know in 45 <laughs> minutes. No, how much? In 17 minutes. <laughs> 17 minutes. Well, I don't know whether it matches, because that perceptions of our core is vastly different between yours, Morgan here, and some other people. Uh, each of us have a different view on, on each company. What I'm telling you, and what I'm trying to do is, the company I inherited was a very big sleeping giant. So very robust, great brands, great market share, great leadership, great talents. But we were too introvert, too shy, and not showing muscles. And Aqua has been big for 50 years. It's just time to, to show it, to prove it, and to go further. So we've been 
We've been perceived in being like a second-tier boxing categories when you compare Daco with the Marriott Hilton of the world. I think we can say today that we belong to the first tier one category. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I think it's better that way because clients, want to go to a hotel, they want to know they're going to be hosted by somebody who is professional, who knows what he's doing. I like that we are first mover advantage. We're taking risk. I'm not sure I'm right all the time. I'm actually convinced I'm not right all the time. But uh, it's moving so fast in the travel hospitality sector that I guess just be ahead of the curve. Uh, and what we've been doing for the last four years is realizing that if we were to continue the next 50 years on only offering a room and a bathroom, i.e. a bed, to a customer, we're going to have some difficult wake-up calls in 10 years from today because we need to enlarge the numbers of services that we render for travelers, so go beyond only being an accommodation in a hotel room. That's what I'm actually pushing Accor to do. Some others don't want to do it because they enjoy life and they believe they don't have to. I'm saying that, I guess, and you had Google here before. Just make it simply. All of you in this room, you depend today on your day-to-day life on Monsieur Google, Monsieur Apple, Monsieur Facebook, Monsieur Tencent, Monsieur Baidu. You won't live without them. Are you happy about it? Probably not, but it's too late. I want to make sure that ACO will be in your day-to-day life when it comes to travel and hospitality sector, i.e., I need to provide you more than a hotel room because I'm only going to be seeing you in my room three or four times a year. You're going to be on Facebook six times a day, on Google probably two or three times a day. So I need to have touch points, contact with you when you're not traveling. When you're going to be going to private homes, I need to be basically offering you that home sharing economy. So I'm enlarging the net. When you want to cater, when you go to a restaurant, when you go to digital concierge, we've been buying many companies to enlarge and to multiply the level of frequency I will have with you, even when you don't travel. That's what I'm trying to build. Right. You know what? It's possible. <laughs> I can definitely see, uh, you know, with every acquisition that you purchase, and I'm furiously typing away and, and filing stories on, on each one, I can definitely sort of see the overall vision that you have for, for buying up all these different sort of seemingly disparate businesses, but, but they're really not. They're all sort of interconnected. But I wonder about the, the execution of it. Like, how, how are you really going to integrate all of these acquisitions and make sure that they, they develop into that vision that you have of, of transforming a core into an Apple or well, a Google? It's, it's, it is tough. It's, you have two or three things when you actually think about the ecosystem. One, you need to have your eyes open, ears open on what exists outside of your own company. So how many startups are in your field? How many of them do you want to get a contact with? How many of them do you want to partner with? How many of them do you want to do some commercial agreement? And how many of them do you want to invest in? That's the easy part, because you have lots of people and they do a survey. And I think our core has probably a 90% knowledge of what exists, what exists in the travel space on the planet. And when you decide to put money into them, and even more so when you become a majority shareholder, in which we have done like 17 times now, it becomes extremely difficult because you bought them because they have invented something that you were unable to think of or to do yourself because they're being ahead of the curve and they're being more agile and they're being smarter and they probably took more risk. 
You have to listen to what do they want from you and what do I want from them. You start there. What they want from me mostly is skill, treasury, and speed. Because they know they've been in your three, four, five, ten, and they probably are fearful that somebody will create something that they created and may have different means. So they don't want to die having created something, so they want a big brother. And I will provide them a balance sheet, density of network, and basically uh, money. But at the same time, you need to make sure they're going to remain autonomous. Because if you start basically imposing on them the non-agile side of Accor, they're going to die. Mm -hmm. They're going to suffocate, which is why they started their own company, because they decided to be actually not part of a big corporation. So I need to respect them. I need to remain them. I need to make sure they're going to be remaining independent. But at the same time, I also need to make sure that I take from them what I need, whether it is in software, whether it is in loyalty, whether it is in many different directions. So it's a very fine equilibrium between make sure they're autonomous, make sure they take from you what they need, but also make sure that I take from them what I need. And I can say that to you, and I've said it publicly, we've made 12, 17 investments. I really believe that 20% of them will not work because it was the wrong equilibrium, maybe it was the wrong team, maybe it was the wrong idea, maybe it was too late. 20, 30, 50% of them is going to be remarkable and probably much beyond what I think in terms of success. And the third will be average. So we're going to do fine, but it's not going to be spectacular. This is the name of the game when you're entering into an unknown territories. You have to accept you're not going to be right all the time. But the biggest regret in my life is not having decided to do it. Just do it. Make sure it is, in terms of percentage, not impairing our core as an organization. So far, we've been investing a lot of money. We're investing 630 million euros in startups in the last four years. That's a lot of money. Uh, but that's only 5% of our core market cap. So as long as I'm reasonable within a percent of my market cap, you're going to see me doing more of them, mostly today probably bolt-on. So we have verticals, whether it's digital concierge, whether it's a digital factory, whether it's catering, and whether it's home sharing. We're probably going to be adding more startups in the same field. I don't see me multiplying different verticals because I think we have enough. So you said 20% of these investments you, you think may not necessarily be successful. I was wondering, what's, what's your formula but for... But I don't know which 20%, <laughs> which is a problem. What's, well, what's your formula for defining success and or failure? Uh, it's not quantitative at all. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, you can fail. You, you can really fail because you, you misunderstood each other. It was a great idea, great concept, great technology, but there's no fit in between the managers, entrepreneurs at our core, and they leave for the wrong reasons because you haven't been good. Mm -hmm. So it could be human nature. Uh, you could, I can tell you, let's meet again in 10 years, then we'll know the 20% I failed with, and I can guarantee you you'll have probably 10 different reasons for different companies. It's never the same reason. Uh, but I don't want to fail because I, I impose on them. Don't ever impose on a startup who you are. Mm -hmm. Because they hate it. 
so that's uh, that but let's meet again. Give me five years. Okay. Well, I'm, so in an earlier um, interview, I dropped the M word, which was millennials. But now I'm going to use another M word in this this conversation and this move and pick again. Um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, are, are the are the rumors or reports true that that I'll you are? I'll, I'll tell you two things, and you're going to be putting the two together. <laughs> I'm the CEO of a listed company, so I'll tell you no one. I will not comment it. And two, I will not deny it. Okay. <laughs> Neither confirm nor deny. Well, okay, so let's say, theoretically, if you were looking at Move and Pick, um, what would you do with it? Or why, why would you be interested in it, perhaps? Let's, let's go, actually. <laughs> let's go. No, no, but I could, because it's, whether it's Move and Pick, whether it was Fairmont mm -hmm. Raffles, whether it was Banyan yes. Tree, Mama Shelter, 25 Hours, or Rixos, or Ant Express, it's always the same formula. Is I am a great believer that we have to be client-centric as opposed to be product-centric. I'm a great believer that any of you in the room, you have a different aspiration for a different experience because you're a different person. Mm -hmm. So I'm a great believer that if I want to assist you and to have many of you, I need to provide you as many experiences, i.e. as many brands as I could to make sure that I'm going to be top of mind when you're going to come into the Aqua umbrella. And you have to look at brands, portfolio of brands is exactly the same thing as a group of friends. Each of you, you have 20, 30, 50 friends. Each of you, when you think of something you want to do, you need to go and work, there's a friend that you like working with. When you want to go and have a solid drink, you think of a friend you're going to have a solid drink with. If you want to go dancing, it's going to be a different friend. If you're going to go in a museum, it might be a different friend. If you want to go on a beach, it's going to be a different friend. Brands are exactly the same thing. They have a DNA. You're going to go for a brand for a different purpose. So anybody telling me you should be limiting the numbers of brands, I think is bullshit. <laughs> because you're not going to be limiting the numbers of friends. <laughs> and there's new friends you're going to be meeting tomorrow that you did not even think of yesterday. <laughs> so... Make sure you protect the brand, make sure they get visible, make sure they fulfill promises. But a group like Accor, like Marriott, like Hilton, we can afford having many brands because of the digital space permits you to have a digital unique portal under which you irrigate different brands. That's what it is. And some brands will be only local. Some are brands going to be only in Australia, New Zealand, because they don't have the breadth to go elsewhere. And some other brands are going to be international because they probably are easier to replicate. That's what it is. So don't be afraid of anybody buying more brands. And for me, it's also a question of Accor is by far the largest hotel operator, when you think of it, on the planet. Even though I'm not big in America and I'm not big in China, Accor manages 75% of my 4,300 people. Only 25% is franchise. I.e. Accor manages 250,000 people on the planet. ACO hires 80,000 new people every year. ACO loses 50,000 people we trained every year. So we, what I want to do is we happen to be the largest in terms of market share, in terms of offer, any place on the planet but China and but America. And guess what? I will never be a leader in America because place is taken by five big guys. I will never be the largest operator in China because it's taken by two or three big guys. But I will never let the door open to anybody else's to be the largest operator in Europe, South America, Africa, 
Middle East, Asia Pacific, because we happen to be the one today. So part of my acquisitions is when you have a leadership someplace, when you have a chance to accelerate your leadership, to penetrate that market deeper, just do it. Control it, because when you control the market, then you have a much better interaction with the digital space because they, they, knew, they need you to penetrate that market. Mm -hmm. So my relationship with Booking, with Ctrip, with Expedia, with Google has been enhanced every time I basically enhance and increase my market leadership. Right. That's as simple as it is. Mm -hmm. And you have Sun G's and so forth. What was your question? <laughs> I think you answered a lot of the questions that I already had planned. But um, well, one thing I wanted to ask you about um, was, you know, very, I think it was actually the first time that I met you. It was right when you closed the Fairmont deal. Yeah. And we met, at, we had tea at the plaza. I remember that very distinctly. And I remember... Yeah, you took a lot of tea, actually. Yes, I did. I, I drank a lot. Um, but... Um, <laughs> But I know you, you actually mentioned to me in that conversation the sort of like the seedlings of your idea for Accor Local, the, the app that, that is designed for, for local residents to use, not travelers necessarily. And I wanted to kind of ask you for an update on that and how that's going and if you plan to expand that and, and if you're also looking at yet even more ways to have that sort of like daily engagement with, hmm? with everyone, with consumers. Just well, Accor, Accor Local, we... We're going into three big verticals. Number one, which is by far the biggest, which is 95% of our core, which is my core business, i.e. I'm, I'm a hotel operator and I provide you a bathroom and a bed. And I'm going to be continuing doing it for the next 50 years. But I'm actually adding another vertical, which is the travel space. In the travel space, we've been investing into digital factories, helping B2B uh, other independent hotels to actually create and to choose different uh, digital channel. We invested into John Paul, which is digital concierge, uh, and into home sharing, which is sharing economy, which is one fun stay, and travel break, and uh, travel key, sorry, and square break. Why did we go into that sharing economy? Well, because Airbnb successfully did it, and we should have thought about it 15 years ago, except we were so product-minded, we forgot to think client. And I've been saying for the last five years, which I think is evident, a third minimum of my existing hotel clients, which, by the way, happens to be, on average, less than two nights, 1.9 nights, and 1.4 person. So 90% of my business is less than two nights. 90% of Airbnb business is over three nights and over three and a half person. So when you think of it, it's not the same mix. And 70% of my business is B2B, corporate. 90% of uh, Airbnb is B2C, leisure. So which is why... We've been impacting each other, but we're not basically exactly on the same field. But go back to what I said 10 minutes earlier. It costs me a bundle to acquire a customer. Mm -hmm. Because in some occasions, I have to go, I pay Google, I pay Booking, I pay Expedia, I pay everybody. Mm -hmm. So it costs me a lot of money. So whenever I have a customer, please retain him and don't pay twice for the same guy. Mm -hmm. So you come to my new hotel in Paris. You happen to love Paris because it was your first time in Paris, and you happen to say that to my front desk manager because we happen to ask you the question, how was your stay, madam? And then you say, well, but I'd love to actually show Paris to my kids or to my parents, and I'd love to be back one day. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that by you coming back in a year or 18 months, probably a third of you will never come back to a hotel. You go to share economy, mm -hmm. because it is a third cheaper, a third more spacious, and appears to be more fun in your mind. Mm -hmm. So what am I going to do? I'm going to lose you if I don't basically answer that problematic, and I just cannot reduce my hotel room by one-third, 
I can expand, I cannot expand it, and I cannot reduce the price. So if I want to retain you, since you've told me something, why don't I go into that sharing economy? I don't want to tackle the Airbnb because they're bigger than I am, but Airbnb is non-service oriented. So we decided to go into the upscale part of that sharing economy, into the luxury upscale homes, and we have today 15,000 of them, of which we are the caretaker. We are by far the largest, London, Paris, Los Angeles, New York. We are opening Bangkok, Sydney, Melbourne, Rome, Milan. We're going fast at it mm -hmm. because I want to basically be of assistance to you. Right. It's a great business model. The difficulty with that model is it is very costly to operate. Mm -hmm. Because I provide the linens, the amenities, yeah. I mean, everything you can think of. Yeah, and I need to stage your property before you come. I need to work. You know what's happening in the share economy? Yes. I'm going to make you smile two seconds <laughs> because it's a problem. When you have a welcomer and you come to Paris or you come to Sydney, you come to any place else, usually you jet lag because you come from another continent. And, you, and there is three or four or five or six people. And either friends or grandparents and kids. So I have a welcomer who is waiting for you to make sure that I guess when you enter the room, uh, home, somebody will explain to you how everything works. And that welcomer needs solid 60 minutes or 45 minutes to explain to you how the coffee machine works, how the TV works, how everything works, because it's different from your place. 90% of the cases, you don't listen because you don't give a damn, because you're tired, and because you don't want to listen to the guy, you just want that guy to be out of your sight. <laughs> Except one of the five of you will wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And since you did not listen to me the day before, you call me at 4 o'clock in the morning because you can't put the TV on. And it makes you crazy. Mm -hmm. Or you can't make the coffee machine to work. Mm -hmm. And then I have to send someone to make sure I can be of assistance. So anybody of you, anybody of you coming to one fine state, would you please listen to the welcomer for 45 <laughs> minutes? Because it costs me less to operate than to send somebody. Yeah. It's a true story. Yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah, well, I definitely I see that. And I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on um, sort of like Airbnb Plus, Beyond by Airbnb, Marriott's Pilot with Hostmaker, with Tribute Portfolio Homes, Hyatt and Oasis. Well, well, good, you're familiar with Oasis. The good news is, now that they're coming at it uh -huh. three years after me, means I was maybe not wrong three years ago. <laughs> but now that being said, it's fine. They're all coming, it's, uh, and they're all going to be successful. So are we. There's space for everyone. Mm -hmm. The one big thing that you need to think of, and Marriott could do it uh, as well, sharing economy is labor-intensive. You need people on the ground to provide all the supply, to provide the service, to provide those welcomers. Airbnb has been today doing it into the commodity space in which they don't have, they've been outsourcing all those services, key mm -hmm. remittance and so forth. Accor, since we have 270,000 people in 100 countries, I have the existing labor force, the existing right. network, so I'm basically providing all the synergies which exist. Anybody who does not have labor on the ground is going to cut them a bundle to operate because they have to create that labor. Exactly, yeah. I've That's often, where ACO makes a big difference. I've often thought that as um, the private accommodation space becomes more professionalized, it would be so synergistic for hotel companies to sort of share their labor force and sort of bring that into the maintenance and care and quality of the home. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Okay, let's get two questions. So, um, Top question from the audience is, what is your direct booking strategy for a core hotels? We have to be, well, strategy is we have to be better at it. Uh, it's, well, there's two, two things interesting here. One is I was wrong four years ago. Four years ago, kind of actually, anything which was digital driven uh, on the net was something like 25%. 
uh, and 75% were still GDS, email, call centers, and working guests. And four years ago, I would have actually expected that 25% to be almost 60% today, where it's only 40%. So there's still a lot of people doing look-to-book. You go on the net, you basically look at prices, look at different brands, but then you end up calling the hotel. And please continue doing it. This is the cheapest way for me to have you. <laughs> so go on the net. Go and, go, go and find Just call me. Uh, go on an email. So, but it's not going as fast as I expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, biggest, the biggest question for me is how many of my people going on aquahotel.com do I lose because they don't convert, because it takes too much time to basically click and to load my system? On average, it takes like four minutes to actually book a hotel on acohotel.com. It will take you probably two minutes and 30 seconds on C3 Booking Expedia. Mm-hmm. That 90 seconds kills me. And by the time I'll be at two minutes and 30, mi- and two, and 30 seconds, they will be at one minute and 45 seconds. <laughs> so I need to be better in terms of the seamless process. I need to convert better. But a lot of the guys continue doing on the acohotel.com and calling because of the loyalty program. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely evident that 99% of anybody going on a different site, which is not my site, will not get the benefit of the mileage. Right. Well, and speaking of, of, of loyalty, too, or, or sort of, or actually with Google, um, we have another question that asks him, what did you think of, um, so Ryan Air CMO said that he doesn't want to spend a cent with Google. Um, you know, is it, isn't it proof of a strong brand and value proposition? Um, that no, it's, you know, I'm... For the last five years, and it's hard for me to say this, but I've never said, I never will say, that I guess I'm in a battle with everyone. Google have been providing enormous information, qualitative information mm-hmm. to everyone. Citrip, Expedia, Booking have enhanced by probably 10,000% the traffic and the reach that I could have with somebody in Santa Fe or in Denver. I'm not big in America. For a guy in Denver to know the existence of Novotel in Paris... He doesn't know about it unless because he only knows because of those guys existing. So it's not a question of the cost. It's a question of you can afford that cost once, but don't pay it for the same guy. So I'm, uh, it, for me, the problem is I pay Google twice. <laughs> I pay Google when I go through auctions and hotel ads, and I pay Google when I pay booking because booking pay Google. <laughs> and if you want to look at the vertical, it's interesting. The largest, I think, contributor to booking happens to to Google happens to be booking. The largest contributor to booking happens to be Aqua Hotel. Very interesting. So it's interesting when you look at the way it works. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Sebastian. It was so great. That's over? Yes, that's over. (laughs) We actually ran over time. (laughs) Thank you so much. If you like what you just heard from Skift Forum Europe, there's more to come. Skift Tech Forum is June 12th in Silicon Valley. Our first Skift Restaurant Forum is September 24th in New York City. And Skift Global Forum is September 27th and 28th in New York City. Find out more at forum.skift.com. This show was produced by Ben Glowey, who can be found on Twitter at visible underscore sound. Assistant editor Sarah Enlow provided additional support. To subscribe to this podcast, search for Skift on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating and a comment to help other listeners find us. 
podcast episodes and a link to subscribe are online at podcast.skift.com. This has been the Skift Podcast. Thanks for listening.